For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh yes. Hello my friends. Once again, I'm Josh Norris. That's Hayden Winks. Hayden, let's dive right into it. Conference Championship Weekend, two extraordinary games. I feel like today's show, what we need to do, focus on really both sides of the ball for each contest. Offense versus defense, offense versus defense. Then we'll flip on over to the other contest. How's that sound to you? The people have their pickums, They have their bets to make. Let's just take it one side at a time. How about that? All right. Well, let's start off in the AFC, where once again, it's Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs, a total of 54 and a half. Chiefs are seven-point favorites in this game. Uh, let's start off with the Kansas City offense, all right? These teams played a couple weeks ago, week 17. Bengals came out on top 34 to 31. In fact, Bengals put up 20, excuse me, 17 points in the second half to come back in that victory against a Chiefs offense with 28 points in their own first half. Hayden, when you look at this, where do the Chiefs' offensive strengths match up with possible weaknesses on the Bengals' defense? So the Bengals play pretty smart, regular defense. There's nothing too complicated about it. I think that they're probably going to do some of the too high stuff that the other teams have been doing. I don't think any of it matters. Like, what is the what is the scheme that you'd be possibly worried about? So I feel like we just take all the scheme data that we have and throw it right out the window, and it's can you tackle Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill after the catch, and then how much of the explosiveness from a Jarek McKinnon, a McCall Hardman can you get? I've seen enough. I think that this, this Chiefs team, it's back to the elite, elite, elite form on offense. I can see them uh, going over their total I have them scoring at least like 34 points. I think it's going to be a light showing that the big thing is both of these offenses are in a spot where they have to outperform each other. And you're going to see them play at a high pace and pass the ball uh, like you've never seen before on both sides. I think that we're going to just have a complete shootout here. I have a bit of a wrinkle thinking that maybe the Chiefs running the football is a huge advantage here. All right. So in the last game that we saw with the Chiefs on the field, 17 carries combined for Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Neither of those backs played in week 17. In fact, it was the Darrell Williams show. He took 14 carries for 88 yards, 88 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, early on, the Chiefs got up 21 to seven. And at that point, Darrell Williams had runs of eight, 10, 6, 11, 19, 8, 8, and 11. In fact, eight of his 14 runs went for eight or more yards. Even Derek Gore got out there, Hayden, a 23-yarder he put out there. And if we pull up where a lot of these runs happened for Darrell Williams, off left side, that's a lot of green off of left tackle and off of the left guard. And what stands out, Orlando Brown didn't even play in this game, Hayden. Joe Tooney lined up at left tackle. Nick Allegretti lined up at left guard. We've talked about it all year long. To me, the Bengals' front can be run on. 
and the Kansas City's offensive line is one of the best out there. It took some time for them to show patience, especially against defenses that do play these two high shells. Again, going through the mud and the down weeks, and here we are now. I think the Chiefs have shown how patient they are, and if they give them the space up front, I think they're going to maximize it, again, with the likes of CEH and the likes of Jarek McKinnon. If they want to run the ball, I think that they can run it efficiently. I don't think that they're going to ever go into a playoff game thinking like this is the time to get balanced. But if they do run the ball, or even if they don't run the ball, how should we divvy up the carries and overall snaps? Last week, Jarek McKinnon, he started. He ran a route on 73% of the Chiefs' dropbacks. For most of the game, it was Jarek McKinnon. But then kind of towards the end, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a couple good runs uh, behind that offensive line that was really getting a bunch of movement. And then in the overtime period, there's those couple plays it was CEH on the early downs, yep. and then McKinnon kind of came in there on the passing downs. If I, I had to guess, it's going to be probably closer to 50-50, where it's clear McKinnon's the passing down back, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gives them that a little more firepower whenever it's a short yardage power situation. Are you in agreement with that? I, I am, and I know Daryl Williams is probably even back for this game, and so for Don't some people that throws a wrench in there, like Hayden just said, it doesn't matter to me. I know over on Underdog where we play pick em, CEH is up at 39 and a half rushing yards. Um, Jared McKinnon is not on the board here yet. I love the over. I love the over there for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Again, it's all, and I, I kind of hate myself, slightly hate myself, that I started this conversation just talking about the running game for the Chiefs because we know how electric they can be in the passing game. But no team like relies on their dudes being better than your dudes than the chiefs passing attack. Like we even talked about it this past weekend when facing off against the bills, DeMarcus Robinson is like completely invisible. A great pick route by Travis Kelsey allows Michael Hardman to run along the sideline. It is the patience in the pocket from Patrick Mahomes to slide inside of structure with pass rushers flying around him. And then just staying patient for Tyreek and Travis Kelsey to get open there, um, to answer your question, I'm leaning more towards like the combination of the two getting 100 yards, but I can totally see, as you outlined, CEH looking good, looking explosive for him to be the one that gets over, again, these 39 and a half rushing yards. Uh, last note I have is referees. When these two teams played, it was the third biggest gap in winning percentage of the any game this season in favor of the Bengals because of some pass interferences and some holdings. And that really was the difference between the Bengals winning and upsetting the Chiefs uh, in week 17. Uh, and then this week, they get the referee group that is called the least amount of penalties in the NFL. So we're not going to have the referees getting in the way. And that's another reason why I like just this team going over. It's just going to be let them play. And both of these teams obviously have enough firepower. Just keep going, keep going back and forth at it. A couple more notes. And I want to, again, revert back to week 17 Kansas city went punt touchdown, 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 touchdown in the first half. And again, they only scored a field goal there in the second half. That first half from Patrick Mahomes was absolutely spectacular. He was creative when he needed to be. He was again, weaving between his blocks in the pocket to convert. There was like a first and 20 where he did that. That was exceptional. And then here from Josh Cohen, who's a great follow over on Twitter, the Bengals first eight defensive snaps against Cincinnati, ex excuse me, against Kansas city. Two deeps, right? Two deep safety looks. That night snap was not. And then it was a 30-yard dart from Patrick Mahomes here for a touchdown. I bet, 
I bet that they go back to that. But anytime, anytime the Chiefs go and are able to get isolation one-on-one on the outside, it's so efficient and it's going to be a big play. And I just think running game, passing game, they're going to hit over their projected team total. All credit to the Bengals and how far they've gotten here. But this is just a bunch of dudes. Plus, again, they have a strength that like they don't lean into often enough to me that converts and combats a weakness that the Bengals put out there. Yep, Bengals' worst game on defense this year. Most EPA allowed was against this Chiefs team in Week 17. And the other part is the Bengals, out of any team in the NFL, the uh, easiest strength of schedule according to pro football reference. So give me the points. Give me a bunch of these overs. I want anything to do with the Chiefs this week. Uh, against a Bengals defense, that's okay, but I don't think anything beyond that. All right, so I nominated here in the Pick'em Lobby. Again, if you've never played Pick'em over on Underdog Fantasy, use promo code the show. We double your first deposit. Here we go. I gave 39.5 over rushing yards for CEH. Saturday morning, Sunday morning, when we get something with Jarek McKinnon, I'll be very interested in that as well. Do we need to pique your interest here? Tyreek Hill, 79 and a half receiving yards, six and a half receptions. You also get Travis Kelsey at six and a half receptions and 76 and a half receiving yards. I have some for the Bengals. If we want to jump. Ooh, over there. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. First, I got a little paint a picture here on the Bengals and what happened just a couple weeks ago, because I, it's, it's so refreshing to me that these teams played so, so recently, you know, such a tight contest um, in that game to me, at least, and maybe you disagree. The difference for the Bengals winning was all about three plays that Jamar Chase made. I mean, he outruns the defense for a 72-yard touchdown when they were playing zone, just slices and dices through them after the catch. And there's a 69-yarder on third and four, again, when the Chiefs are playing zone, because Daniel Sorensen took an absurdly bad angle. Some might say it's it a spread-shaving angle <laughs> and allows him to get a touchdown. And then there's a third and 27 with, what, about like four or five minutes to go. The Chiefs send the house. It's a true cover zero look. And that gives Chase, again, a one-on-one matchup along the outside. And he absolutely converts. It was awful tackling. A four-man rush actually in this game for Kansas City was working out well. But when they blitzed, they got burned. And the Chase and Higgins dynamic, they were able to win their 50-50s on the outside. And I think because of that play, Jamar Chase said in an interview that he expects the Chiefs to play a lot of cover two. So I looked over. Yeah, I agree with that. And they should do that because whenever it's a single high, uh, Joe Burrow just throws it right up to Jamar Chase and for about a 15-yard game every single time. So I do not think that the Chiefs are going to live in that world. I think they're going to play cover two, cover four. And uh, our friends, Sports Info Solutions, they have yards per route run based off of each shell against uh, two high looks. T. Higgins is actually averaging 2.1 yards per route run. Jamar Chase is at two. When single high, Jamar Chase is at 3.5. So between the two, if you are looking to stop Jamar Chase, I say that in air quotes, uh, you do that um, playing too high because it's just Joe Burrow's immediate read whenever he gets an isolated look. It's just throw the ball to Jamar Chase, and it usually works. So I think if I was looking between the two, I think that this could be a little bit of a T. Higgins game where the Chiefs uh, look to take uh, get rid of the Jamar Chase deep ball, and you see a lot of more of the intermediate stuff to T. Higgins kind of as that second read. So that would be the direction I would be going for uh, DFS and, and player props looking at T. Higgins in this game. Well, 
you just buried where I was headed in this conversation as well. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. And again, I want to point out how successful the Chiefs were in that week 17 contest by just rushing four. And guess what happened last week against the Tennessee Titans? The vast majority of their nine sacks, again, they rushed four and they were just to beat the front five that Cincinnati puts out there. I mean, the first sack was a four-man rush despite the Bengals keeping six in there. It was Frank Clark versus C.J. Uzoma. I'll take Frank Clark in that matchup each and every time. The second sack, another four-man rush on a naked play-action toss boot. A huge loss by Chris Jones. Third sack, third and nine. Chris Jones got home versus 77. Fourth sack, another four-man rush in first and 20 with about four minutes to go, which turned, again, it into a second and 27, and they converted the third and 27 just a few plays after that. I mean, if we see what Melvin Ingram did last week to that right tackle, and he does it again this week to the right tackle, plus Chris Jones, plus Frank Clark, plus whoever else you want to put out there, Joe Burrow in that week 17, 2.41 seconds in terms of his time to throw. That was the second quickest of the entire weekend. We know that he wants to get the football out of his hands as quickly as possible. And I'm just a little nervous that like lightning can't strike twice here. Because again, to me, when you outline how the Bengals were so successful and they were able to come back in that, it was three plays. It truly was. Now, Jamar Chase is capable of doing that. We saw it against the Ravens, but against the same team two times this season when they know exactly and they can probably tackle a little bit better, I just fear for it to happen once again. Chiefs get Rashad Fenton, who is the cornerback five, according to Pro Football Focus, back this week. He got burned a little bit in that game, too. Yeah, but I would rather have him than not have him. Uh, And the numbers, just put some numbers behind the offensive line for the Bengals. Riley Reef, who's their right tackle, he was their big uh, free agent this year. In 397, so almost 400 passing snaps, he blew a block only seven times. Their right tackle has already blown 10, so more blown blocks uh, despite playing on 209 pass attempts. So he's just getting blown by at twice the rate as Riley Reef, and that's not even getting to the right guard, which I don't even want to name drop him because he's having such a tough year right now. Uh, and in total... They are 25th in pass blocking grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Mm. The Chiefs are at six, and it's basically the same thing when it comes to run blocking. So even if you want to say Joe Burrow equal to Patrick Mahomes, which I'm not there to say that, and the playmakers are about the same, the offensive line is literally a good offensive line versus a bad one. So I want the points. I'm going 34-24, and I can mm. see that's a, that's over on the on each one of their team totals. But I think that like the Chiefs can score 37, 40 points if if needs to right here. You and I are, are slightly different here. I I'm gonna take the under of the 54 and a half, but not by like the Chiefs standards. Again, I think they go over their total. It's more so on the Bengals side. Um and even this game that they previously played went down in like a weird way. You remember they had the ball for over three minutes inside the opponent's 11-yard line, and because of penalties and extra downs and getting a first down at the one-yard line, they were able to keep it for so, so, so long, and the Chiefs never had an opportunity to to get it back and potentially at least tie or or, uh, win the game in the end. I keep talking about, and maybe it's not fair, and you and I have outlined it so many times this year, that like, win Burrow, seize a one-on-one, Boom, outside directly looking at Jamar Chase. So I tried to find some clips of them actually playing against two high looks. And again, you outlined the benefit of T. Higgins. There's also a benefit if you see in the slot here with with Tyler Boyd. Like Joe Burrow, incredibly smart. He recognizes this 
extremely quickly and then gets the ball out into open space where the safety has no chance of playing, making a play on the ball. And that's the type of thing that we can see over and over and over again. Now, again, want to point out Jamar Chase had two massive explosive plays against zone coverage last time. Those are just more difficult to do. And like, I kind of want to pull it up here. I don't know if I can get to it quickly enough, but the passing chart that Joe Burrow put out there in week 17 was absurd in terms of plays outside of the numbers. And again, he is capable of doing this. If given the defense, I would just think of Steve Spagnolo being in the league for this long, not allowing him to hit so many plays. I think it was seven or eight receptions outside the numbers plus 10 yards down the field. That's like a career game for Jamar Chase and Burrow in their history. And those are volatile plays. As you get closer to the sideline, uh, according to the analytics out there, and further downfield, those become way more volatile. So the floor is just a little bit lower than the Bengals. With that said, though, uh, their third highest neutral pass rate game of the season was against these Chiefs. Uh, their three out of their top five have been the last five games as well. And I think the big beneficiary here, if you're looking strictly at DFS, player props, that whole thing, is Joe Mixon. His top five games and routes have been in week 16, week 17, the wild card round, and then the divisional round. We're expecting the Bengals to drop back to pass. And then the last note, based off of film last week, Chris Evans and Samaj P. Ryan both had missed uh, blocks or missed hot routes. And I can see them saying, screw that. We can't afford to have our rookie um, getting Joe Burrow killed here. We have to let Joe Mixon with the game and our season on the line. So I like some of the Joe Mixon uh, receiving overs, if you can find some good ones. Yep, 30 and a half over on underdog right now is where Joe Mixon is at with his receiving yards. Um, I like the T. Higgins five and a half receptions over as well. We talked about that one at the start here. I think that covers it for that game. It should be a fun one. It really should be. It's commendable. And, and I'm, I'm not counting out the Bengals. It kind of sounds like I am. But they're going to have to have another one of these games like they already did. But they have the pieces. They have the pieces that can make those individual superstar moments to uh, to come out victorious. But it's just crazy. Like in the last few games with Patrick Mahomes, he has zero turnover-worthy throws or turnover-worthy plays and six big-time throws at the exact same time. I mean, he's just playing unreal. It's not like – I mean, he has great mechanics. He's so fluid. And patient, but then he can also just escape and create on his own. I feel like since he's so good, we don't say, you know, enough good things about him at all times. Because it's so easy to do that. Right, Hayden? My goat. All right. That does it for the first one. We jump on over to the other Sunday contest. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will be the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams teams. They've played twice this year, two victories for the 49ers, and the game scripts were wildly different. In week 10, the 49ers won 31 to 10. And hey, at that point, San Francisco was three and five on the season. I mean, think of where they are now in the NFC Championship. And then we know down in week 18, again, the 49ers won 27 to 24, thanks to a 24 to 7 second half plus overtime difference for the 49ers. I'll let you decide this one. Which direction do you want to start with, the Rams offense or the 49ers offense? Let's start with the 49ers. Uh, my biggest note was their lowest and third lowest neutral pass rate games 
of the season for the 49ers came against the Rams. So they were really like, even on the 49er standards are uh, really leaning into the run game. And I can see that happening again for a couple of reasons. One, we don't know what Trent Williams status is going to be. He hasn't practiced this week. They say he's going to play, but they were also telling me that David Bakhtiari was going to play and he ended up not playing. If he's less effective, that would make it very hard to go against Vaughn Miller and, uh, and some elite speed rushers on the outside. Uh, Debo Samuel seems like he's fully healthy so they can go run the ball with Debo or with Elijah Mitchell and they really leaned into that the first two games I think that's like the exotic looks and we always know the Rams just their defense they just like to play in the two high structures and they kind of invite the run a little less so this year than last year but still that's kind of their overall philosophy and that's why the Shanahan's just been kicking Sean McVay's ass the last couple times so I think they're at least going to try that how effective that's going to be I have opinions on that but I think just from their game plan they're really going to go into the most exotic run plays that they have and just really try to expose the linebackers and then the, the two safeties that the Rams have to bring down into the box those are backups coming down there I think that they're going to try to take advantage of that once again I'm going to lead off with the running game just how you did. And in that first contest, Elijah Mitchell got 27 carries. Jeff Wilson got 10 carries. Debo got five. It was a difference, 44 carries to 19 passes. Huge ratio between the two. That was a victory. Again, 31 to 10. Then that second contest, even when trailing so much entering halftime, Eli Mitchell again gets 21 carries. I mean, this is exactly where Kyle Shanahan wants to win this game and you even look at like there was to make it 17 to 7 the 49ers have an 11 play 74 yard drive there were 10 straight runs 10 straight runs to open that drive and then Debo Samuel threw the ball to Juwan Jennings for a touchdown to close it out I mean how I view it the Rams know that Kyle Shanahan wants Eli Mitchell to get 20 plus carries and that means if he does things are working they'll load the front and they'll load the middle. They'll play for third and five. Heck, if they get some tackles for loss or a penalty happens or holding, they'll get a third and long, and they will try to force Jimmy to beat them down the field, over the middle of the field, or outside the numbers. To me, that is the best approach. Jimmy has made a couple ones. He did some like in the, like at the end of the second half in that second contest, a little bit in the fourth quarter and overtime as well. But win or lose, like you have to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you here. It can't be one of those patented 22 carries, 200 yards, and we get out of there from this 49ers rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, the Rams know what's going to happen. If if you and I know what's going to happen, I'm sure that they're going to adjust. I am going to have some major concerns with the 49ers being able to move the ball if Trent Williams is out. So I think that's like the big key here. And I think it's a a true 50-50. If you look at uh, blown blocks, Trent Williams has blown four blocks on 400 rush attempts this year. That is by far the best rate in the uh, NFL. His backup on 31, not 400, 31 has blown the same amount of blocks against the run. So if Trent Williams is out, that is a massive, massive, massive downgrade. And I'm going to be very concerned behind this offensive line in general whenever Jimmy G has to rush the passer. Von Miller had 10 pressures last week. Yep. Leonard Floyd, uh, you have uh, obviously Aaron Donald. I, I have concerns across the entire offensive line if Trent Williams is not out there. I don't think the right tackle, right guard, or left guard is any good. And you also have uh, three, like three legit 
pass rushers. I have the 49ers projected for 17 points. Uh, their implied team totals at 21 and a quarter. I like in that 17, 20 range, not like the 21 to 28 range. Yeah. I, I've kind of been writing these notes, just assuming Trent Williams plays. And if he does, the right side of the offensive line is a huge weakness. If he doesn't, both sides of the line are huge weaknesses. And the Rams, as we know, took advantage of that last weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as you're outlining. Like they would overload one side to give Von Miller a one on one, or they overload the other side and allow Aaron Donald to get a one on one against the right tackle. I mean, these are absolutely avenues. For this team, because they they do run a five-man front a lot, like three defensive tackles. Aaron Donald can kind of move between the two. And then two edge players in Vaughn and Leonard Floyd, who have been, who are long and, and are both really athletic. You can't get in third and seven-plus situations if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, because then you're going to have to hit those Jawan Jennings plays. You're going to have to have... George Kittle win over the middle field despite a safety bearing down on him. You're going to have to make like, I don't know, Debo Samuel create after the catch. These are all tough, tough opportunities and they're good enough to do them, but that's 100% the situation the Rams want to force them into. Okay. I guess we should pivot. Go ahead. I got one, one last thing on this side of the ball where like there's a decision point on where they're going to use Jalen Ramsey, obviously the best corner in the NFL last week. It was very obvious. We outlined it on our podcast He's going against Mike Evans. The rest of the depth is not very good. Outside receiver, one-on-one, he's got the physical tools to do that. This week, because they use Debo Samuel, you'd like like to put Jalen Ramsey on Debo Samuel, but they move Debo Samuel into the backfield, and that kind of like gets the assignments mixed up. I think what they might do, especially if we were, we're expecting them to run the ball, is just put him back in the star spot, basically the slot corner, and get him involved in the run game no field. matter what. Yep. And if Debo's in the slot, sure, that's cool. If Ayuk slides in there for whatever reason, awesome. If it's Juwan, Wenning, or Juwan Jennings, Sure, that that still is fine with me. I think they want him near the ball because, I mean, there was a couple of clips from the, this playoffs where Jalen Ramsey was coming and like hammering dude. So I hope they put him in the slot and let him be really affecting some of their ground game. And I think that's what I would expect to happen. And I'm not sure how much that actually matters for people doing DFS and player props. I think they just want him near the ball and less yep. it's less about like the wide receiver matchups just because the 49ers like, don't use them in like that typical way. And he's done both a lot this season. So that helps them. And it's not too much of a difference for them either. Yeah. Allow him to go up and close on Kyle Juszczyk, who's trying to set the edge on these outside runs. Ask him to, you know, cover some of those spot throws that Kyle opens those lanes for Jimmy over the middle of the field. Use your superstars. And Jalen Ramsey is absolutely one of those. All right. Talked about the 49ers offense. Let's talk about the Rams offense. And Again, week 10, week 18, these two teams played. That week 10 performance was so brutal from Matthew Stafford in this offense. He opened with an interception, and the next drive, it was a pick six due to an awful drop from Tyler Higbee. And the 49ers scored on every first half drive, including an 18-play drive, 11-play drive. And then you get to it. In that second game, it opened so differently, Hayden. It was a field goal. It was a touchdown. It was a touchdown. They were 13 and 12 and three play drives. It was kind of after we saw the Sony Michelle plus Cam Akers renaissance as well. What's your view? I mean, obviously, we've seen fewer mistakes from Matthew Stafford in the past. And again, it led them to 24-ish points there in the first half. 
So I'll start on the 49ers defense. I feel very comfortable that they're just going to have four down linemen. They're going to rush with four and play a ton of zone. Uh, teams facing Matthew Stafford run zone about 69% of their plays. The 49ers have done that at 75%, so a little bit above average. And the 49ers just in general against 11 personnel run zone at the fourth highest rate. So I think they're going to see a lot of regular cover two and cover three zone uh, on the 49ers. And, and they've been really good at it. Fred Warner in the middle. And when he's sitting in zone, when he gets to read and react, that's elite football. Uh, and looking at yards per route run against zone coverage, Cooper Cup's at 2.7 against man coverage at 4.6, which is like mm, I mean, absurd. astronomical. So that's a pretty big difference. I mean, 2.7 yards per out run is still really good. So I'm not like saying that like, Cooper Cups are going to have a bad game. But the big winner here, if we are expecting this, is actually Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, his yards per out run versus man coverage is at 0.4, which is basically like running wind sprints. Against zone coverage, though, it's at 2.1 yards. And I think if you look at uh, just kind of his prospect profile, he's more of like a, a, a headsy player over like, like physical traits. So I can see where... Uh, that there's a reason why his zone numbers are much better. And the thing on the flip side, Odell Beckham, such a physical player. Whenever he gets a one-on-one -on -one look, that's when Matthew Stafford's going to rip it. So Odell's is the opposite where he's better versus man coverage. So if I'm looking at an individual player, I like Van Jefferson, even though his player props and all that stuff are set uh, pretty low in general. Really low. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan's fronts are so crazy. Obviously, defensive coordinator here for the 49ers who's done an awesome job. I wouldn't be surprised after if they get eliminated this weekend or in between now and the Super Bowl if he starts getting more and more head coaching interviews. I mean, they have so many different types of pass rushers. Everyone knows Nick Bosa and Arik Armstead. You can throw in Jordan Willis, Arden Key, so on and so forth. And the difference between them, and someone pointed out this out on Twitter this week, is that these are all like power rushers. I think it was Ted Nguyen pointed this out. And so... In that week 18 second half, again, when the Rams really couldn't score any points, it's because the 49ers defensive front just collapsed the pocket and yes. just, I mean, it converged on him. So there's no way to find open space to operate if you're Matthew Stavros, because again, they're power rushers. Instead of trying to run around and beat people at the edge, they're just going to press you. They're just going to press you to the back. I, I looked through some of these names and I think we can all talk ourselves into the Cooper Cups, even Cam Makers having a much better game than he did last week. The biggest differences to me is that Matthew Stafford can't have mistakes, and he's been playing mistake-free football as of late. And I believe Sean McVay is a bit more creative than what Matt LaFleur put out there last weekend. And I think Matthew Stafford is more willing in crucial situations to look for wide receivers other than Cooper Cup as well. And if Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers did that a bit more in difficult circumstances with the blizzard in the second yes. half, but there were opens, there were opportunities to hit those and they just, they didn't. I think the Rams are going to be more likely to do that this time around. Yeah. I feel fine about the Rams, but I think, I think the one potential Achilles heel is what you talked about is the interior pressure. That last game was just like a truly incredible stuff from the 49ers. <laughs> Matthew Stafford was pressured on 57% of his dropbacks. The next closest game that Matthew Stafford had was at 39%. So a completely outlier game. Uh, they will get Andrew Whitworth back. That is good news compared to last week. Um, so I think they'll, they'll move the ball. I'm not expecting a huge shootout performance from the Rams here. I think this is going to be closer. I have this game 23 to 20, 23 to 17, somewhere in that range. 
in favor of the Rams. I just think that their their depth and having Matthew Stafford versus Jimmy G is just like too big uh, of a deal for me. The last question I have for you, Ooh. Cam Akers started last week, 81% of the snaps, gave him all the carries. The problem, though, is he fumbled twice, and yep. he wasn't moving the ball when he was getting those carries. Yep. So with Daryl Henderson possibly coming back, we know they could go to Sony Michelle if they wanted to. And with Cam Akers, I looked at PFF, dead last in rushing grade out of 100 qualifiers, 100 wow. out of 100 uh, yards after contact. All that stuff's not good for Cam Akers right now. Are we going to see a switch? Is it going to be that 50-50 stuff that we saw in the beginning of the year? Or is this going to be Cam Akers 75% uh, of the workload? I think it's going to be closer to like that 60 to 75 and not like the full bell cow and sprinkle in a little bit more Sony Michelle, whenever they want to go to the, some of the yeah. power rushing game, you brought up Daryl Henderson's name. I think they're done with that. No I matter what, I think it's fair. unless an injury happens. Um, I think they give K makers the first series and see what happens from there. Hot you hand. know, can review the tape on the sideline. They can see the, the gaps, the holes. If they're there, if he gets tackled on like third and one in the backfield, then boom, I bet they, you know, sprinkle in a bit more salt of, of Sony Michelle because we know he's done that for them in crucial situations. A third and two, a fourth and two conversion, he gets hit two yards in the backfield and he still converts it. But then you're going to lose some of those explosive plays that we have seen from K-Maker since he has returned. Not last weekend, but some other some other ones. Um, man, this is such a amazing one-two battle. What's been seven straight here for Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay? Again, the first time these two teams played, they were three and five. And now we're here yeah. with a chance to make it eight straight. The two boy geniuses across the league where one has the potential just to completely own the other. But at the same time, a lot of those were with Jared Goff at the quarterback spot with Sean McVay. And this is exactly the reason why he moved on from Jared Goff and went out to get someone like Matthew Stafford. And I, I think that will be the difference here. It's just yeah. Matthew Stafford. Going back to the run game, I don't even think the Rams are really going to bother. San Francisco, they're second in success rate on run defense, third in EPA per carry on run defense. Why even bother? If you don't like what you're getting out of Sony Michelle or Cam Akers right now, like that's why you go three deep plus a good receiving tight end, and that's why you trade for Matthew Stafford. I think that that going back to that interview Sean McVay and, and uh, uh, Coach Shanahan had early in the offseason where Shanahan was super pissed when oh, yeah. he heard that Stafford is going there, I think this is the, this is going to be the reason. So I'm going to go a slight win uh, in favor of the Rams here. That that was on Peter Schrager and Sean McVay's podcast called Flying Coach. Uh, what was said by Kyle Shanahan, but not said at the same time, made that entire interview about the Stafford deal because they I think they were both in Cabo. It was before. I mean, and the 49ers were rumored to be in it at the same time, and you know the Rams made the move much quickly. Okay, let's close this out. We mentioned that the toll here is 46. The line is in favor of the Rams by three and a half. I think to me, if I had to put confidence chips in any piece of this, it's Eli Mitchell over his 72 and a half rushing yards total. Is there one that stands out to you here the most? Uh, Battle Royale, which is our DFS game on underdog. Uh, Van Jefferson, I think, is projected for too few points. If you are going to be stacking Matthew Stafford, I'd make sure that you get some Van Jefferson exposure. Yep, and his pick of mine's 31 and a half receiving yards for Van Jefferson or two and a half receptions. They've also tried to get Tyler Higby heavily involved in these games too against the 49ers, especially that week 10 debacle. And he was brutal in that yeah, game. Yeah, he was. Absolutely brutal. But then he came down with some important toe-tapping touchdowns as well in uh 
in that second contest. All right. That's going to do it. Two games for us, both on Sunday. We'll be back here early next week as well to recap them, really isolate our favorite plays on the All-22, on the tape, and the plays that won the weekend, and then get ready for the Super Bowl. All right. Everyone out there, appreciate you tuning in the channel. Like and subscribe so you can join us along the way. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the Vela. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.